I'm going to read Revelation 21, 1 through 4. We'll, for now, read 1 through 3, but we're going to keep a few more scriptures there. Revelation 21, 1 through 3. If you're new around here and you've started coming in the last few months, let me just tell you real fast what, you're, what you've walked into. You walked into a room full of imperfect people. We've gathered here. Many of us have stories in our past. We have blemishes in our past. We've had many crises and moments where we can look back and say, I wish that wasn't a part of my life. We aren't perfect now. We never have been, but we understand that we cannot do this without the grace and mercy of God. So let me just tell you real fast, if you look around this room and think, man, they've got it together. No, we do not. We don't. The person that might have both hands raised might be going through the time of their life right now, but they understand and I understand that I'm going to lift this up to him and surrender this to him. That doesn't mean I've not cried myself to sleep many nights saying, God, I don't know where it's going to come from. It doesn't mean that my wife and I don't have tough days. It doesn't mean that I'm not always a good father. It doesn't mean I've not always done everything right. It means that I've made a decision in my life to say that I'd rather walk with you and I need you. And I, I understand that I've fallen short and I've, I've, I, don't, I don't make it all up on my own. So God, I come in this place and I worship you. Why? Because when the fire begins to burn, I need to know that you're going to show up. When I walk into that tough situation, I need to know that you're going to show up. I need you there. I need you near. I need you with me. So we're not exempt from life's sorrows and trials and circumstances. However, we're totally dependent on a God who can walk with us through life's sorrows and troubles and circumstances. Amen. So I'm thankful for all he's done and what a friend he has been. Amen. Amen. Revelation chapter 21 says in verse 1, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. It says, They shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. I want to preach to you on a simple topic of no more. No more. Let's pray one more time together and ask God to help us, Lord. We love you. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you, God, that you've walked with us. You've been with us, God. We thank you, Lord, for the promises that you've made, God. I pray in Jesus' name.
you would have your way today. God, I pray that you would speak to your people today. I'm asking God that you'd help us, Lord. I'm asking God that you would, you would challenge us, God. I'm praying in Jesus' name that you would do a work in our hearts, our minds, our spirits, God. And I'm asking, lead us, give us a fresh hope, a fresh view, God, fresh assurance. We pray in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everybody, once again, said amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. God has promised his people a place where you and I ultimately can be with him. To be honest with you, there's much debate on, man has debated what each and every item looks like and what it might be, um, try to figure out what was meant here or there, but my approach is this, I just want to be ready and I want to be with him. I'm not going to sit and debate whether this means that. I, 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 what I found out is the Lord gave me a, a, enough to have hope and enough to know that I don't want to miss it. If he's prepared a place for me, I want that place. If he's given me a mansion, I'll take the mansion. If he's, if he's given me a room and a great mansion, I'll take, the, I'll take the room and the great mansion. Whatever it might be, I just, I want it. And so this text gives us hope, and, and, and it gives us hope that it is a place of our dwelling with him. The Bible gives an interesting record of the dwelling places of God. First, God walked with Adam in the garden. Then he dwelt with Israel in the tabernacle and later in the temple. When Israel had made mistakes and began to sin, God departed from those dwellings. And later, we find that Jesus robed himself in flesh. We, we find in uh, John 1 and 14. And, and Jesus came to the earth and dwelt among us. Today, God does not live in human-made temples, but he lives in the bodies of the people that believe and have been washed and then filled with the Spirit. The eternal city is not the only home of the bride, but it is the bride itself. Not buildings, it is people. The city that John saw as this heavenly and holy place, we find, in fact, it descended to earth from heaven where it was prepared um, um, and, and made its way down. John's description staggers the imagination, even accepting the fact that a great deal of symbolism might be involved. Heaven is a real place of glory and beauty. The perfect home for the Lamb's bride. John had measured the earthly Jerusalem, but here he was invited to measure the heavenly city. And the city uh, was, was square or with equal sides. It, so it could be a cube, cube or a Pyramid is what he lays out, but more importantly, the fact that there are equal, perfect sides, which shows the perfection 
of the God we serve. Everything was perfect in this place. And it shows that he also sought uh, to make sure that nothing was out of order or unbalanced. Let me just tell you real fast that you and I aspire to have that. We long for that. But there will never be perfection until we're there. Why would we ever have perfection here if we're longing for that? You're going to find that in heaven. You're going to see that in that city. Our God is a God of beauty, and he will lavish his beauty on the city. He's preparing for his people. The rarest gems that you and I hold as such great value will be on display as simple decorations and also as building materials indicating the way that God values things is different ultimately than the way we value things. The interior of the city is like a beautiful garden reminiscent of the Garden of Eden. Eden had four rivers, but the heavenly city only has one. And Ezekiel's purifying river flowing from the temple that he looked at and saw. Certainly when he saw this, he he saw this scene that would have been one for the ages. But this river will not be one of four. It will be the river that directly flows from the throne of God. I want you to wrap your mind around some of this this morning and not just just say, well, I've heard it before, I've read it before, but rather you need to grasp this in the mind that you are working with and maybe even place yourself as you walk in this room in not a virtual world, but in a real city that you and I long to go. I'll look up and I'll see water flowing and the way it's flowing will be flowing from the throne of the almighty God. The water that'll flow will flow from the throne of the God that flung the stars in the heavens, flung the moon and the sun were to be and spun the earth on its axis and began what we ultimately know as the day and the night. That's where the water will flow. It flows. Humans were forbidden from eating the tree of knowledge of good and evil and, 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 and prevented from eating uh, the, uh, the, the, the fruit of the tree of life. But in this eternal home, people will have access to the tree of life. The river and the trees symbolize this abundant life that we're going to have. Not a life where we get by, but a life of abundance. Life on earth is often marked by these moments you and I would highlight as maybe stating that there's grief and loss and suffering. We grapple with this, this idea and these thoughts. Let me tell you real fast. Some of these things we struggle, we mark highlights of our life with. The Bible says they will not be present in that city. Imagine a world where death holds no power. Where mourning is replaced by unending joy. Where tears are wiped away forever. This promise is not just a distant dream. It is a reality that God has prepared. Let me tell you, he's prepared. He's pulled together here. He's brought this here. He's laid it out together here. It is a reality for you and I to know that that day is coming. And as you and I seek him in our everyday lives, we're constantly handicapped by sin and weaknesses that you and I try to walk around 
We try to overcome, but the reality is, is I'm flesh. I'm not big enough on my own. I'm not strong enough on my own. That's why I need a friend, a friend like no other, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I need to know that I've got that because I've got hope that in that day all hindrances will be gone, that when I get to glory, temptation will be no more. When I make it in that place that all the sadness the world may offer, all the distractions of life, all the turmoil of life might be behind me. It's not just a hope, but it's a promise that I can hope on. I know the day's coming. I'm aware the day's coming. I should seek it every day of my life. Heaven is more than a destination. It's a motivation. Knowing that we will dwell in the heavenly city ought to make a difference in our lives. This heavenly city, the one that is mentioned, the vision of the heavenly city motivated the patriarchs as they walked with him. It motivated those that were longing for him. It motivated those who had not felt or touched him, but they knew the Messiah was coming to someday take them home. It motivated the ancient Hebrew children as they walked through the desert. It motivated each and every one as they made their way to the promised land. Yes, there were days when there were heartaches. Yes, there were days when they were disgruntled. Yes, there were days they tried to make it on their own. But yet they had to be reminded that there is a city. There is a city built without hands. There is a place where the things we value are the pavement of that city. There is a place where no more dying and no more crying and no more hurting is for us to behold but the greatest thing about the city is that Jesus will be with Jesus will be with him the eternal city is so wonderful so much is mentioned and so much is stated however the best way to describe that city Revelation 21 and 4 the next verse in this chapter it's very careful. I know I hit just a, a moment on it, but when the writer begins to make this statement, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And he says it in such a way, he's, he's, he's beginning the description of this great city. But he understands that, yes, we're intrigued by mansions, and we're intrigued by by, by great materials that were used. And yes, we're intrigued by all the things that are there. But he deals with man the way that man also struggles. He goes to you and I to know that we've had heartaches and we will have heartaches. He goes to you and I and he begins to, to speak and tell that you and I, I know there are good days, but there's also bad days. And I, I know there's good news, but there's also bad news. And I know, I know we've all dealt with these things, but he says, no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any. No, he's simply telling us right now, there will be no more. A thing that you and I have oftentimes looked so quickly to find the news about this, something you and I oftentimes turn and look in startled uh, um, a position or posture and say, what, what did you tell me just now? We've heard the news. The world has been shaken at times by the news 
of maybe something that happened or maybe the terrible news of what's happened in Hawaii and Maui and all that's going on, the news of what's happened in wildfires across our globe, the news of A, B, C, or D, Sister Starkey told me about a need. We need to pray for Kevin, her nephew. There's always news. There's, there's always the struggle. Donnie this week had, had to have a heart procedure. There's news. There's things that we carry and the burdens we carry. There's worry and the fear. And so the writer looked, Brother Moss, at the fact that sometimes my legs hurt. The writer looks at us and says, I know sometimes there's aching and pain. The writer looks and says, sometimes I know the loss is more than you can bear. I know the news of the loss was horrific. I know it carried you to a dark place. But I've got a promise for you. Not just only will the streets be gold. But what I've come to tell you is you'll never have loss again. You'll never have pain again. You'll never have a bad day again. The good day shall come. The good day is on the horizon. The good day is right there. The good day is to be held. The good day is for you. The health is for you. The prosperity is for you. He's come in this text to tell us in a very simple way. No more. No more. It's going to be wonderful. But not only do we find it wonderful because of what's there. We find it wonderful because of what's not there. Things we scratch our heads at at in this, this modern world. We're living in the things we look and we think, God, help us. The things we're confused by. The perversion of this world. The mess that we are seemingly in has not caught the Lord off guard. It's not something that snuck upon our God. He created free will for man. He created man to make a choice, the ultimate choice which is the value of that choice of deciding that I would long to follow him rather than make robots that seemingly cannot last without him as if we're double or triple A batteries. That's not what he decided to do. Rather, he gave us the power of choice that I will or will I will not. Hanging on a tree between two thieves, he ultimately uh, exemplifies this moment where one looked and said, if you are him, why are you doing anything? The other one said, what are you thinking? What in the world this is him and he said today you shall be this is before glory he speaks to him and, de- and declares that you've seen who I am you know who I am he lets him know today you shall be with me in paradise he speaks a word he tells him that this is so critical for us to understand and we've got to understand it as well there's got to be a choice but I'm telling you right now that choice comes with benefits that choice comes with the understanding that there will be things but I've come today with a purpose and a reason to also tell somebody who's carrying the weight of loss or confusion or question or fear or worry to tell you this world is not my home I'm just passing through my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue it tells me and it lets me understand that I'm longing for something more I'm longing for something else there's coming a day there's coming a day there's coming a day 
when I'll lay nobody else to rest. There's coming a day when I won't sit on that front row and mourn the loss anymore. There's coming a day when I'll look up and all those that have gone on before will welcome me through the door and I'll celebrate with them. There's coming a day. There's coming a day. The Bible tells us of the 12 gates. But it describes these gates. This heavenly city was surrounded by these gates. But what it tells us is these gates are made, each of them, they're made of a single pearl. Not made of a conglomeration of many pearls that were going, went through a plant, crushed and reassembled to make a large pearl. But it gives us the understanding of a singular pearl. I found a little bit on this and I hope I can portray it the way that I feel it in my spirit. But the symbolism of using pearls to describe the gates carries profound meaning. Pearls in ancient times were considered precious and valuable. Often representing purity, beauty, and rarity. They were obtained through a process of transformation as an irritant of time. Over time, it's irritated. Over time, what's not needed to be there is pulled away. Over time, what might seem to be something that you see as a negative is there to purify and make rare. That's what they used for the gate. The gates that will swing open wide. The gates that will be pronounced in such splendor and, and marvel. The gates you and I will walk up to and look at as such beauty. They'll swing open wide and they'll be of one single pearl. Something that was irritated. Something that was that was pulled away from something that was that was created through pain and and, and, and struggle off to ultimately become something of beauty and, and value. Furthermore, pearls are formed layer by layer, much like the layers of virtue and righteousness that we strive to cultivate throughout the years of our lives. It's something about a saint that's just walked in the door that says, I want to serve him. But there's something else about somebody who's been living this thing for 60 years that says, you know what, I've seen nothing but God doing a work. And he's never failed me yet. I know I've had bad days, and I know my kids aren't where they need to be, and I know this may not be what it needs to be, but I'll tell you this, that I feel as if I'm a pearl that has gone through a little bit of a structure, re a reassembling of some things in my life, and, and God has allowed me now to look back and know He's purified me. He's letting us know that you and I, you and I are going to also be like pearls. You and I will also be one that is rare and in a unique form. I can't help but think the reason why the gates are gates of pearl because it's going to symbolize what we're leaving behind. We're leaving behind the purity process. In that moment, we're walking away from this world to that world. In that moment, we know that I'm walking through the gates of pearl. Why? Because I'm valued and I'm purified and I am what God's called me to be. I'll walk through and know that every question's behind me. Every heartache's behind me. Every turmoil's behind me. Every loss is behind me. Everything I've dealt with is no more. 
I'll stand there and I'll see these great gates. And I'll see a city that has no lights. Why? Because the Bible says the glory of God is the light of that city. Have we forgotten what it is, is ultimately what it is to hope for that city? Have we gotten so caught up in our manly ways that we forget about the city? What I want you to do right now, what I'm trying my best to do, is I'm trying my best to help you see those beautiful gates. I wish right now in your heart you could see the gates of pearl. And no, they weren't made overnight. They were made by the purifying process. When I walk from this world to that world, I'm going to leave one step behind that is heartache and temptation and struggle and loss and worry and fear. But I'm going to walk myself into a new place. And I'll transcend into the world of glory where the light doesn't come from the sun, but the light comes from him. The light comes from himself. The light barrels out of that place. The throne now ushers in the only river of life. All the water flows from that throne. Everything I have is because of him. Everything I am is in him. Everything I have comes from him. And I walk into this place. I walk into this place knowing Every loss is gone. Everybody is made whole. Every pain is gone. Everything is fully where he desires it to be. It gets me excited when I think about it. It gets me excited when I understand. And when I walk through the gates, I want to see my grandfathers. I want to see my grandmothers. try to be careful here, but I want to see the great men and women of this church that poured their lives blood into this church. I want to see them, but you just cop our brothers, give me a moment because there's somewhere I got to get to first. I want to see Jesus face to face. I got to go first to the throne. I got to go first to the place where I'll declare to him that it was worth it. It was worth every struggle. And it was worth every test. It was worth every pain. It was worth every bit of confusion. It was worth it to submit myself in fully understanding that someday, someday I'm walking through the pearly, the pearly gates. Some days I'll be purified. Some days I'll be seen as rare and valued. It's going to be worth it on that day. That glorious day, that glorious day, that glorious day, it shall be. Oh God, I pray help us right now. I pray help us get our eyes off everything else. Get our eyes on the gates. Get our eyes on the streets. Get our eyes on the fact that everything that's being shown is from the light of you and nothing else, oh God. I pray also, God, let us get our eyes off our pain and struggles that we live right now and help us to understand that the writer told us it will be no more. It will be no more. It will be no more. There will be no more loss and no more sorrow. I pray help us, oh God, help us come you lift your hearts, your hands, whatever you desire right now. And I wish you'd get your eyes on him. I wish you'd get, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. 
I don't want to miss it. I want to be with him in heaven. In Jesus' name.